HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hi, this is Marion Nessel. I'm the Paulette Goddard Professor of Nutrition, Food Studies, and Public Health at New York University and a longtime fan of Heritage Radio. Like Marion, you too can support Heritage Radio Network, a member-based nonprofit radio station operating out of Bushwick, Brooklyn. I've been on it countless times. I love being interviewed. The interviewers are always really well prepared and fun to talk to about the issues that matter to me the most, uh, about how we can change our food system to one that's healthier for people and the environment. It's just invaluable to have an independent radio station that's dealing with these issues. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful asset. Support Heritage Radio Network by becoming a member today. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. Hi, this is Joe Campanelli, the host of In the Drink. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Lydia Bastianich is one of the most beloved chefs on television, even before the term celebrity chef entered our popular vernacular. Not only is she an Emmy Award-winning television host, best-selling cookbook author, restaurateur, and entrepreneur, she is a mother and grandmother who frequently brings her family into the kitchen and into our living rooms via her amazing cooking shows. Along with her son Joe, who was on our show last week, and Chef Mario Batali, Lydia is a partner in the Batali Bastianich Restaurant Group, which was founded on traditional Italian principles, which they state are the notion that food is best left to its simple beauty, that the dining experience should be shared with loved ones, and that we can leave the world in a better place than how we came into it. These are all principles I'm sure our listeners can relate to, and ones that we relate to as well. Welcome to Cutting the Curd, a podcast about cheese. I'm your host, Greg Blaze. 
I'm really thrilled to introduce our guest, Lydia Bastianich. Thank you so much for being a part of our program. Oh, my pleasure. Great. <laughs> um, it's always an honor to see you at Italy, where I run the cheese counter, and to know that you're one of the leaders at the helm of the organization. You've had a fascinating life before food, um, but I was wondering if you could start by telling us about your relationship to food. Do you have like an aha moment where you realized you wanted to share your culinary talents with the world? You know, Craig, I, I grew up uh, just like, Potatoes grow up and corn grow up. I grew up with food, and that is uh, in a courtyard with grandma. My mother was a teacher, and uh, uh, she would go to work, and uh, I would be with grandma. And grandma had chickens and ducks and goats and uh, uh, the garden, and we had pigs. And, uh, you know, uh, milk, and, milk and the goats yeah. in the morning, that was for breakfast. Then we made ricotta from it, and then some cheese, although... A goat cheese, you know, makes good soft cheese, but not hard cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did you, um, so food has always been an integral part of your life. Then. All the time. I, you know, harvesting uh, the season, harvesting the peas, harvesting the beans, the potatoes, the corn, uh, making olive oil, making, helping grandpa making wine. Yeah. The, the slaughter of the pigs every November, making prosciutto, making sausages. So you name it. This, this seasonal kind of production of food, I was part of it. In uh, Italy, that is. Where is that exactly? Where exactly did you Well, grow? it's it's Istria. Istria is no longer part of Italy, and that's part of why we migrated. It became, after World War II, became part of communist Yugoslavia. But Istria is now a little peninsula, right? Sort of, oh, across the, 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 the little bay there from Venice. Uh-huh. Uh, it is in the on the Adriatic coast. Fantastic. Um, so we have a lot of young cheesemongers who turn into our show, and they're really passionate about working in food. Um, what advice would you give to them, you know, on um, and what on on what what they have to do to get into it? Well, you know, it's it's about passion, yeah, uh, and it's about dedication, and as you know very well, it's about a lot of work, yeah. Uh, but I think you know that you have to find where your passion leads you in food. Food is such a vast land of opportunity, you know, uh, from from producing the food, producing special uh, products, to cooking the food, to serving the food, and so on. So I think it's where do you find your passion? Where does it lead you? Yeah. And then find a road. Uh, and I think what's very important is really kind of experiencing, traveling, being with mentors. Yeah, mentors are super important. Absolutely. Who you admire, whose work you admire. And always learning. I, f I find, because I'm lucky, I, I just a little bit predate a, a few things in food that have recently have come about, you know? I had to teach myself and I had to find people to teach me about cheese when I was, when I was younger and getting into it. Well, but you I, were in the evolution uh, part of cheese in America. Yeah. So, you know, we're just Americans... Uh, we're finding how to really make uh, artisanal cheese, and you're part of that wave. And congratulations! Yeah, it was it was fun because, but it was like it was lonely in a, in, a, in a way too. <laughs> you know, that was my first job, my first real food job um, was was there at um, on. I say real food job, or the one where I realized that I wanted to do that uh, for the rest of my life was at Savonor's Market in Boston, um, uh -huh. where. Um, where I sort of taught myself about the cheese because there was no one else to teach me. And what was your first job in food? 
Oh, as I said, you know, collecting the eggs oh, so for yours grandma. Was family, right, right, Absolutely right, right. Family milking jobs. that goat. <laughs> uh, but then it went on. Then you know, help grandma to knead the bread, help her to make the gnocchi. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was kind of tiny that that she would put like a like a, a, a little stool underneath. I would stay on the stool and knead the dough. That's cool. I I read um about. Uh, about Julia Child inviting you to come onto her show when she well, came into Philidia. Well, y- yes. You know, uh, Greg, when um, I opened my first restaurant in 1971 here in the States. Yeah. And that was in the suburbs. But then 10 years went by, we had two restaurants, and I really honed kind of my skills as a chef. Uh, initially, I, you know, wasn't a chef right away, uh-huh. like you, more or less. Yeah. And in 81, we sold these two restaurants in the suburbs, and we opened Philidia. And here at Philidia... I became the chef by then 10 years. I worked as a sous chef to the chef that we had in our restaurants. And sure. I traveled back to Italy and all of those things the best that, that you want to do and you want to learn. And here I opened Felidia and I said, you know what? In the other restaurants, there was a lot about Italian-American food, which is great food. Uh, but, you know, I said, I have to cook how we cooked in Italy with grandma, the regionality. And I began, began cooking regional food here. Now, uh, America, this was new food to America, you know, yotta, polenta, risotto, these were all new foods. Yeah. So the press came, Julia Child with James Beard would come here regularly. Yeah. We became friends, and she ultimately asked me to be part of her show, the Master Chef series, and we did two shows. We re- always remained as friends, and I really credit her with the opportunity of me having my show and mentoring me in what I do on television. That's um, that's she inspired me too. She was a customer uh, in Boston, was she? where I worked um, in on Beacon Hill, and I got to meet her a couple of times. When I was a kid, I loved food, and I had pe- you know, there's no cable TV where I was from. I'm, I'm a hick, you know, from Western yeah. Massachusetts, uh-huh. but I did get uh, PBS, so I got. Julia Child, you know, and then food, not in so much the way that, that you were, but food was around me, and I, and I, was, I was made to do things with food when I was, when I was a kid, and it always interested me, but I, I wouldn't say she was, like, I just look, I looked up to, to her, and meeting her was, a, was, was fantastic, because... Yeah. She was great. Yeah. Would you, so she was one of your, your mentors, and also maybe I, your family were your mentors, too, right? You absolutely. Were, Beginning with family, grandma, mother, great aunts. And, uh, you know, once uh, I met her and she invited me on the show and all that, but I would watch her. Yeah. Yeah, I would watch her, you know, and here I was, I was all about Italian food and she was doing the American kind of rendition of French food. Right. And we was very curious, the whole thing. Uh, but um, what what eventually um, and I understood once I was asked, because the same producer that was producing her show says, you know, Lydia, you're pretty good when I did her two shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about your own show? And so I kind of studied her a little more, and, you know, I realized her method of, of, of teaching and, and uh, instructing on television, and I really liked it. And, you know... She kind of nudged me along. She mentored me. She says, Lydia, you can do it. But what was great about her was that it was not about her, but it was about the audience. She wanted to transmit to the audience what she was doing. She was so excited how she learned to cook French in France. And she said, you Americans, you can all do it. So I said, you know what? I'm going to do that for the Italian food. And she said, she said, Lydia, you go right ahead. You do for Italian food what I did for the French food. It, it's like this deconstructing process where it, it becomes very uh, approachable to the to the viewers. Uh, well, you know, you know, food is is you know we are 
common denominator to all of us is food. That's yeah. one thing we all do. We eat, yeah, so yeah. ultimately we cook, and so on. So this fright about food or not knowing, uh, it's, it's, you know, it has to be broken. It is, I think. Now you see all the Americans cooking. I think what it was was that, you know, uh, uh, the first kind of interest in food and all that was all about these odd chefs and whatever. And of course it's complicated what they did. They spent their whole life. And I mean, there were artisans that, you know, this, this, uh, producing these kind of meals and whatever. But that's not very doable at home. No. So I think breaking it down and simple. And Italian cuisine is very conducive to that. It's simple, straightforward. Completely. And, and so I, you know, I took that approach uh, and uh, it worked. People love it. You know, teaching, and obviously, just as we're as we're talking, and it comes through. And I know that you were the dean. You were the when we were setting up the school at, at Italy. You know, we, we during our first classes. I, that was when I first met you. Uh -huh. um, and I, I remember that I knew then that that was a super important part of what you do. Um, so, what is the overarching lesson that you try to teach people about food in general? I, I think you have to look at food. Um, almost geographically, if you will, you know. What do you have? What product do you have? I think, uh, what is the season? And then work within the culture that you're in, the capabilities. I think it's simple, it's seasonal, it's straightforward. Uh, uh, you know, just exalt what nature gives you. Do not try to reinvent it, if you will. Right. Do you see that? Do you see that a lot out there? I think it's really coming around. I think it is. I think the beauty also is, let's say, of running restaurants and all of that, that the chefs do go that extra mile so that the uh, the people, the customers, could experience the talent and professionalism of that chef. But I also see that people are much more comfortable in their kitchen, straightforward, cooking simple, and they're comfortable. And you know what? They're in control. They're in control of what they eat, uh, of their nourishing nourishment, of the value of their food. And also in today's world, we have to be uh, kind of conscious about environment and protecting our environment. Yeah. And we each can do our part just by the food that we prepare and we eat. Interestingly enough, I always... And Information or misinformation um, in what we do, we, we often talk on, the, on this podcast, uh, cheese is one of these things that we are trying to protect that, I, that we feel is very fleeting and in danger of going away um, simply because people don't understand it. Um, and so there's a lot of misinformation that gets out there, um, maybe just because people, they don't understand it. Do you try to... Then how do you deal with that in terms of in terms of food? Do you know Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. You know, um, again, my kind of uh, uh, band of of food expression and cooking is Italian. Right. So, cheese is an essential cornerstone of the Italian cuisine. The whole peninsula. It varies, you know. Yeah. In the in but the, it's everywhere. But the whole peninsula, we 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 make it a, a whole meal. We make it an enrichment <laughs> to meals, an addition to to pasta. You know, if you have pasta, you know you have to think also that that cheese adds that extra protein and energy to a simple thing as pasta. You know, so economically, you know, when the situation is kind of in dire, cheese really extends that flavor and nutritional value or whatever you're cooking, and it's you know a natural process. It could be made. Uh, at home, or you can go out and buy it. Right. But people are not. I found in my time, and like when I when I first started to explore cheese, I was afraid of it. 
Um, it was it was not a part of my culture when I grew up in a certain way. It was there, but it was there in a very watered down way. You know, I did not make cheese when I was a, when I was a child. It was given to me. There were some farms in and around where I was, but it wasn't a part of my lifestyle as it was yours. And I certainly didn't see milk taken from animals and have someone teach me how to turn that milk into cheese initially. You know, when you came over. Um, and started exploring food here. Were you shocked at the at how Americans viewed cheese? I was very shocked. Now you think I came in to the United States in 1958, right? And uh, you know, a lot of government cheese floating around then. Right? There's industrial revolution. <laughs> all these conveniences, food, all these bars of cheese. You know, yeah, bars uh, of cheese were in plastic wrap <laughs> uh, and so on. And yes, it was. It was kind of the whole thing was strange. Was different. You know, you you go through the experience of of tasting it, whatever. Uh, so it was cheese was industrialized. It was all kind of packaged and yeah. made someplace different, and ultimately came to the stores or to the table. So it was a big difference. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, and I. I'm, like, I'm lucky, I was lucky enough to grow in a rural area, so it was around me. It wasn't totally foreign to me, but when I got into it, it was, um, it was shocking to me. Well, but you were. know, even to, for me as a chef, to cook traditional Italian, I, you know, the one thing that kind of can transport a cul- culinary culture from its original uh, kind of country to America, and you know, and I was doing that. That was what I was doing. I said, "Gee, what is the the best way?" And you know, there's there's two ways. There is the traditional products. So if I take a few slices of prosciutto San Daniele, and if I take a few uh, uh, chunks of Grana Padano, put it on the plate right here. We're in Italy. The flavor right. is there because that's a traditional product. Yeah. The other uh, a part of uh, transporting a cuisine is the technique. Right. You know, how do you cook something? So initially, when we opened our first restaurant in 1971. It was so much about the technique because I didn't have those indigenous products. I didn't have Grana Padana. I didn't have yeah. Gorgonzola. I didn't have Provolone, <laughs> all of those. And I didn't have Arborio rice. So, you know, it was it was difficult. I used, I had to um, kind of build the, ta- the flavors as best as I could with what I found. Well, you obviously did a fantastic job. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back and uh, talk straight cheese with Lydia Bastianich. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, broadcasting on the Heritage Radio Network. Today's program is brought to you by the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese, period. Why? Lush grasslands, glacial water supply, fourth-generation cheesemakers, combining old-world tradition with the new ideas and highest standards. The very best milk. What do you think of when you think of Wisconsin cheese? For me, I think cheese curds, delicious fresh cheese curds, or deep fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally any way, any time, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese Company, the operation behind the Pleasant Ridge Reserve cheese that's literally America's most awarded cheese. I think of the deliciously stinky Limburger and its long-storied history. I think about Raleigh's Dumbarton Blue, a perfect blend of English-style cheddar and notes of blue. 
I think of Emmy Roth's Grand Cru Chichua, which was named 2016's World Champion at the World Championship Cheese Contest. Wisconsin is like the world champion of cheese, and once you start reading the list of cheeses made in Wisconsin on their website, you can see why. The Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board is a nonprofit organization funded entirely by Wisconsin's dairy farm families. Read more at eatwisconsincheese.com. And as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, eat Wisconsin cheese. It's a no-brainer. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. This is your host, Greg Blaze. In the first half of our show, we were talking with chef, television host, and restaurateur Liddy Bastianich about her amazing career and just sort of touched about the transportive qualities of, uh, of cheese, uh, but also just uh, getting, getting some, uh, some quality time with Lydia um, and learning about how she, she's taught so many of us about Italian cuisine and culture. And next, I'd love to talk about cheese. So I'm going to ask you one of the most difficult and obtuse questions that I'm asked on a daily basis. And that is, what is your favorite cheese? Oh, mamma mia. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's, there's so many which to choose. Uh, I think, you know, um, uh, um, uh, uh, delicious as far as cheese and eating, as far as uh, nutritional value, as far as a chef, you know, that I can use in the most diverse uh, 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 ways, uh, I had to say one of those big cheeses, you know, right. uh, and I love Grana Padano. I mean, Parmigiano is in the, they're in the same kind of league, but uh, um, you know, I love those cheeses because I love their texture. Right, they keep well. You can eat them as uh, as an appetizer or just as a snack, or just you can put them in stuffings. You certainly can pasta. Soups, it's yeah. never ending what you can do with it. It's so, such, so diversified and it brings so much flavor and nutritionally it's so sound. What I'm always talking about texture is one of my the most important things for me as a cheesemonger. Um, I feel like you can engineer in flavor uh, a lot of the times and you can you can coax that, that out, but texture is the what people relate to in cheese uh, and grana. Um, and Parmigiano, um, for, for me, especially now where, where cheesemongery is a little bit more precious maybe than it was when I, when I started, those big cheeses kind of get overlooked because they're so sturdy, they're so ancient, and they're always there. They're like the pillars of what it is, but you can't beat that like fudgy texture of and those yeah, cheeses. And, and I love the real grana, granular experience of the grana. You know, your, right. your teeth and you actually feel like it's a little granule and then it disintegrates into right. flavor. Now, and grana, was, was there grana being produced in and around, was that the style of cheese most around you where no, you were living? No, no, uh, the immediate area where, where I'm born is a kind of rocky peninsula. It doesn't have big pastures. Okay. So there was a lot of uh, goats. Right. And sheeps. But, you know, on, in that part of Friuli Venezia Giulia, you go right just a little bit in, and you're uh, from Trieste into Padova, Venice, and you are the Padana Valley. Right, the Po Valley, yeah. The Po Valley. And that, those, the pastures, that's where the cows come in, and you get the. But, you know, the cheese was just all of Italy used it. I think Grana is over 700 years old uh, uh, in making, you know, in the making of it. And it was, and what's interesting about Grana, and I had to do all this research initially when I was doing the class of Italy, is like, what I, what I love about cheeses like Grana and Parmigiano is that they were, they represent um, currency. 
You know, they they were traded as uh, as valuable currency. Well, well, you you think you know when people, uh, you know, just uh, when the Homo sapien, if you will, began yeah. and had his little became a, a a producer of vegetables, and then had his animals and so yeah. on. Cheese was their money, right. and and you know the aging of cheeses, like cave cheese and all of that, happened because you know they would the the the. the Thieves, or if you will, uh, they would come around and they would steal from these farmers. So they would hide the cheese underground or in the thing, so that they, you know, that they, these 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 thieves or pirates wouldn't find. Yeah, it. brigands and Bri- stuff. Briganti. Yeah, we yeah, call yeah. Them briganti. Yeah, yeah. And and so cheese, you know, it developed the the the, the mold, the aging, and it's uh, the the evolution of cheese is just fantastic. I think I think it's brilliant, and those uh, all those uh, those. Those principles, yeah, because like I said, there's there's misinformation, but it's not misinformation that's like people are trying to deceive. But sometimes the roots of things, or the origins of things, are old enough so that people don't know why exactly. They did them. But you know, cheese is a natural evolution. It's a preservation. It started as a preservation of the milk. You know, right. so you have milk. How much milk can Daily drink or whatever. Me or or, or <laughs> no, a normal no. person. A normal person. You know, if you have some a, a cow or two or three, and you know, you have a family, right. or you sell it, or you make something out of it, and so on. So I think you know, it just by accident uh, in the weren't they? The, I think the shepherds were car- carrying the milk in in the in the stomachs of the young goats. That became kind of the drinking and carrying vessel. And the and the and the enzymes from there curdle the milk and hence cheese. Yeah, that's brilliant. And you also, whenever we get together, you also um, another cheese that I know you mentioned. Well, first I wanted to ask you, what, could you tell us something. Oh, about... I have I have a few favorite. Cheeses. Yeah, yeah. Talk, you, talk to you me. want me to list them? Yeah, yeah, I want to know. From some... there, I have to become come more local, and I love the Montasio cheese. Yeah, the Montasio cheese, which is you know from the hills of Friuli, uh, uh, and uh, you know it's. The cheeses are basically, you know, the technique is the same. And I don't have to tell you, but what makes it different is, different is the pasture, is the species of the animal that gives it, the fat yeah. context and so on, what their pasture is. Right. So so Montaggio is a cow's milk cheese. It's not as big as the big cheeses. You know, it's usually about 12 pounds, a nice round cheese. It keeps well, it ages well, and it cooks extremely well. There's right. an elasticity to it uh, that, that uh, when you're cooking, it kind of breaks in creaminess or... The, the the chips, you know, the Montasio chips. The Frico the, chips. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned something in our, in our first segment that um, that is one of the reasons why I think I've, I've stuck with this for so long and why it touched me so much is the, tra- is the, is the way that um, that if you put a little plate of, of grana and some uh, prosciutto San Daniele in front of us, we are instantly transported. And I feel that cheese um, is the most... Is the best method of, of preserving memory in food. But would you agree with that? Absolutely. Cheese captures the locale. Yeah, I think like of no where other it's thing. made in aroma. The, 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 you know, I mean, if you're really into cheese, you can tell the difference between, you know, the cheese is where it comes from, you know, the mountains or valleys. Or yeah. Whatever. But also, absolutely, you know, I remember as a, as a, as a child, I loved the, 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 the book Heidi. Yeah, and, and I loved, I <laughs> yeah, and I loved when she would go up with Grandpa, and Grandpa would take 
pieces of cheese and stick it on a stick and would toast it on the open fire. Yeah. You know? uh, there you go. So memories like that. I know my grandfather did that also. You know, sure. we did, you know, all of the cheeses. All you needed is a little toasting to it, and then you ate it. It was delicious. So cheese really can carry memories uh, stay because it has such a pronounced and unique flavor. And once you're related to it, it's yours to keep. You'll always be looking for that flavor. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, so... And that's, I mean, that's where I'm at, right there. Yeah. That's what... That... So tell me, what is your <laughs> your your strongest kind of good memory, uh, cheese memory? For me? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, when, I, when I first started to eat cheese, I thought it was disgusting, um, just because it was so foreign to me. You I came mean, a long way. I sure did. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. But um, I remember... Um, I took a bite of a French cheese in uh, in the shop in Boston I worked in. It was a Morbier, and um, and I just remembered being a kid, and and being on the farm that was across the street from my house, and uh, being in bare feet in the late spring, early summer, you know, and just uh, being out there in, in the in the in where the stinky poop was from the animals and everything, and and just how free and simple life was for me then. And it was, and just the whole thing just kind of opened up to me. So it brings you to a beautiful place. Yeah, right? and then and then it all tasted great to me. I, I was I was a believer from ah, then on in. You, you know? okay, you got converted. In I that was, <laughs> I was, I was converted, and uh, and now I'm just a roving preacher of cheese. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> what is your philosophy on selecting cheese for your restaurants, uh, both for standalone cheese plates and uh, for pre- prepared on the menu? I think, you know, there's certain basic cheeses, Italian cheeses, that you absolutely need in the restaurant to do the preparation of food, you know, like dressing pasta, like making stuffings. Uh, if you're, you know, in the places that we make pizza, that's a whole other discussion. You know, pulled cheese, you, know, right. you need to pasta have Pasta filata. See, pasta filata versus, you know, the, the regular cheese that's been uh, fermented and, and so on. But uh, in a restaurant, if I were to give a cheese plate, uh, I work by the textures and intensities of cheeses. Sure. I stay, I stay in Italy because that's what we're all about. So right. I feel like uh, I, I need to bring the best of Italy or what I love in Italy to my diners. And um, so, you know, I would begin... Now, the pasta filata, you're talking about the fresh cheeses, that's that's a category of its own. And that sure. usually, I like to serve that by itself, whether it's a, a fior di latte, whether it's a buffalo mozzarella, even a provola kind of fits in that category. But if we're going to do kind of cheese that have matured and aged and that have been, uh, then I'd like to begin from a soft cheese onto a nice, hard, grainy cheese. Now... So it's texture a lot. It texture, but also with that comes different complexities, different right. concentration. Because if you're talking about a soft cheese, a soft cheese is a cheese that has aged, but it has been uh, um, uh, uh, attacked also by mold. Right. And hence, the flavors are different from the mold. The, the The texture of the cheese is softer because the mold is still working on the cheese. It's got its magic going, breaking it down and whatever. So, but the mold has that kind of moldy flavor. So, it is about texture and flavor. And as you get on to the eight uh, cheeses, where you're talking about a taleggio, also, which is a semi-soft, yeah, uh, and against a little bit of mold, but a little bit of mold on a bigger cheese has less.
has kind of a moldy effect, but it leaves a great complexity. Sure. And then if you go a little bit to the to the, I'd like to put a, a gorgonzola in there someplace. Yeah. You know, uh, nice intense, and again the mold uh, effect throughout the cheese, if you will. And then of course <laughs> come to the to the to the. Um, grainy and buttery and again whether it's grana whether it's um, oh the great uh, um, Piemontese cheese Piemonte cheese the uh, oh. Which one? There's so many. Oh wait, wait, no, the big, the big graining <laughs> one. Don't come to me. Yeah, they have so many of the so, and and so so. I like to give them that complexity of of the, of the cheeses in a selection, and I would say you know. I don't know, four or five, five, no more than five cheeses. I think there's enough to understand because sometimes even like if you're tasting or, 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 or wines or, or I feel that it's too much, then it confuses you a little bit, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. And when we're at the counter, we always try, you know, it's an interesting, not a battle, but a, but a back and forth with a customer, you know, who's indecisive. Uh-huh. Um, once you get them... After they've tasted three, four, five cheeses, they're done. Yeah, and you got to shut them down. Where, they don't know where to go. No, they they, they want to go back to the first one, but 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 they but they get lost in there, you know. Um, and I think um, one thing I like um, about um, the way that I found um, when I worked, you know, I worked for a while at, at Artisanal and back, in, and the French were like as many cheeses as you can get on the plate, and I was like, okay, so I would have to put together 20, 30 cheese plate. 30 different cheeses on one plate sometimes for crazy chefs who would come in. But the, the Italians and the way that cheese plates are done, it's very focused and simple, you mm-hmm. know? You're going to get three these three cheeses or these four cheeses. They're from where the restaurant is from, and that's what you're going to get, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, and it's going to make sense to you, you yeah. know? Yeah, I think that's, you know, I mean, it, it is because, you know, um, you work on the premises that the that the diner, if you're talking about a restaurant, right, uh, is there also to explore. So you want sure. to push the edge, and you want to put maybe a real funky cheese for yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know. So so yeah, in a restaurant it's different. Whereas you know, uh, down at Italy at the, at the counter, I think you did a fantastic job. How many cheeses uh-huh. do we have there? Um, <laughs> well, in 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 the the memory banks, there's about thirteen or fourteen hundred. We put about four hundred out at once. Oh, and God. But you know, it's such a display, and again, you oh, have diversity, you. Yeah. such diversity, and you have also a lot of American cheese there yeah. and French cheeses, and that's great. So you really have to have to the, the, whoever sells the cheese, you know, because you're there for. But but there's the the the, the really they have to be knowledgeable to direct yeah. people to where they want to go. Were cheese? Did you find cheesemonger when you back in Italy? Where was that? A, was that a thing? Was there was there a man specifically or a woman who sold cheese, or was it? Yeah, you know, in Italy it's a different. You know, right. they, they, they would make the cheese somewhat and sell the cheese. You know, right. almost. So really, they are. Yeah, the people that um, you know, I'm not talking about the big stores now, like here. But if you go to the to the Salumaio or Formaggio yeah. or whatever, uh, they, they these people are passionate and they really know their cheese and they can lead you. You see, that the beauty of it, I think, for us that are passionate about what we do is, whether it's in a restaurant or behind the counter, is to understand where the customer is and where the customer wants to go, you know, yeah. which level. You know, even in a restaurant, you know, you talk to them a little bit, even with the wine, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then you, you can push the edge a little bit with them and says, now try this. You want to educate them on a new one. But, you know, you want them to come home and be comfortable with it and enjoy their cheeses completely. If they have one challenge, that's good. Yeah, that's fantastic. So it's just eat and learn. 
Um, you know, it's yeah, collection of memories. I always say, you know, it's uh, in the industry, it's like a library. And, you know, universities are judged by how many books they have. In the <laughs> That's library. very true. And we, we in the food industry, uh, you know, this is what we do. We collect uh, flavor memories and we recall them when we want to either cook or when we want to suggest, or we want to teach, or whatever. You know, I have these, these yeah. kind of filed away, and uh, the flavors come back. And, uh, uh, you know, when I, when I have an opportunity to share with somebody, for me, that's teaching and sharing. That's the, the maximum. Well, thank you so much, uh, Lydia, for coming on and sharing your experience and knowledge with us. We so appreciate it. It was such an honor and pleasure to have you, to have you on the show. Well, thank you. But, you know, Greg, for me, being kind of born in a culture that, you know, cheese is part of our lives. Yeah. One, and to see somebody like you, and as you were saying, you know, in the beginning, cheese was not my thing. I didn't know anything about cheese. Right. And you are now so passionate and so knowledgeable about uh, it, and we are so proud to have you on board uh, at Italy. You. This is a great thing. And, you know, in America, a lot of that is happening. A lot of young people are really getting into the profession, passionate, passionate about it, yeah. making some great cheeses, and I love it. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you most of all for still referring to me as a young person. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for you listening. You are. <laughs> Tune in again next week for more Cheese Talk on Cutting the Curd. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>